Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we'll get into our study tonight. Heavenly Father, we, we do lift up all those that are um, affected by this coronavirus. Lord, we do thank you for the assurance of your word that you're in control, that you're sovereign, that you love us, that your character is true, that you're faithful, that you're loving, that you're gracious and merciful to us, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for this moment that we can look to you, giving us greater assurance of your second coming, greater assurance of who you are as God in our lives, and we thank you for that. We pray as we look at your word tonight in Acts chapter four and five, Lord, would you challenge us? Would you equip us? Would you uh, cause us to be encouraged to live out this Christian life even in the midst of the things that are happening? And so we give you tonight in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, as we walk through this, the book of Acts together, um, we're not going to be going through every verse and every chapter. Um, I've just kind of taken some time to read it through and, and want to just te- teach through some of the sections that are there. Um, but as we do, I hope you get an understanding of the purpose of this book, And so I encourage you to read along with me, uh, but read ahead and study it for yourself so that uh, you're encouraged and you're challenged in your walk. As we started out last week, um, I want to remind you of uh, the purpose, not only the purpose of this book, but also the purpose for us as Christians. Do you remember the purpose? The purpose, get this, is to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. To advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. That is our purpose, and I shared this last week, but if that's our purpose, if that is God's purpose for us, and you make, the, make that the purpose of your life, then nothing I mean nothing can stop you from accomplishing that purpose. I've entitled this message, Unstoppable. Isn't that a great reality? Unstoppable. The meaning of unstoppable, unstoppable means to incapable of being stopped. And that's what we see in the early church in the book of Acts. They're, not, they're unstoppable in what God has called them to do. And it's also true for us today as, as God's church. Now, we need to understand that the world will try to stop us, won't they? The enemy, Satan himself, will try to stop us from advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth. That is a fact. And we will see both of those things present in this text even this evening. 
So with that, if you would, if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're not going to start at the beginning of Acts chapter 4. I kind of gave you some of that uh, last week, but, but let's begin by, by letting, letting us look at the characteristics that we've seen so far in the early church, okay? What have we seen so far? Well, we've seen that God has filled them with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit power in Acts 1 and 2. They were diligent to study the word of God in Acts 2.42. They were unified in heart and soul. They were, def- they were devoted to fellowship with one another. They, they were committed to koinonia and community. They were bold with their witness for Christ. They were multiplying in number. That's what we know of the early church at this point. Last week, we saw that the early church was under attack, right? The religious leaders had put Peter and John into jail for healing the the lame man that sat in front of the the temple gate. Remember, he was leaping, uh, jumping and leaping and praising God because he was healed And he was saying it was the power of Jesus' name that healed him. And because they had nothing on them, the religious council had to let Peter and John go. They they kept him in jail overnight and then they, they let him out the next day. But when they did, they threatened them not to speak the name of Jesus anymore. And I love the response that Peter and John gave them in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Look look with me in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. And it says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, More than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which were seen and heard. I love, I love that response. Nothing was going to stop them from advancing the gospel. Not jail, not threats, nothing. When God truly sets a heart free, and maybe you're sitting out there tonight and, and your heart has been set free from, by, by Jesus Christ. He's forgiven your sin and he's made a way for you to have relationship with the Father. And when your heart is set free, the result is radical Christian living. When, I, when I'm flipping through the channels uh, on the television, and I come across something radical. You know, maybe it's America's, uh, Mo, uh, America's Got Talent and, and you see something very crazy or very unique and you just want to stop and go, what are they doing, right? Or you come across a channel and you see this radical motocross and they're, they're just jumping and flying through the air and you're, you're, just, you're in awe by, by looking and watching. Or you're watching the Olympics and you see these radical feats uh, uh, done by human, human effort and you, you just, you're just wowed. 
When you see Peter and John standing up for truth, that's radical living. And and, and it causes us to stop and go, wow, that's so awesome. Not giving in to the threats of men, even though they said, it may cost you your life. Why? Why does Peter and John not give in to these threats? Because they trusted in God's purposes over man's threats. God's purposes over man's threats, which comes to my first point tonight, and that is they had radical trust in the Lord. They had radical trust in the Lord. Look with me at Acts chapter four. Jump down to verse 23. Look at what it says. And being let go, they went to their own companies and reported all the, all the that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. Another translation says, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage? Why, and the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. Now look at verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now the Lord look on their threats and grant to your servants that that with all boldness they may speak your word by by stretching out your hand to heal and that the signs and wonders may be done through the name of, the, of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Why did they trust so radically Why did they trust so radically? Because they knew God was sovereign, in control of all. Church, we serve the God that is in control of this world. Look at verse 28 again. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. He says, he's saying, You're the one that had, you were in in control of all that happened, even when Jesus went to the cross, and even with Pontius Pilate and and Herod, you were in control over all of those things, Lord. Church, we serve the God that is in control of this world. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness in the world in those who dwell within it. Psalm 23, 22, 27 says this, 
all the ends of the, of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. Psalm 66, 4, all the earth shall worship you. Now, the early church knew these things. They, they knew the Psalms really well. And, and, and because of that understanding, because they knew God was sovereign and that he was in control of all things, they, that gave them confidence as they came into living out the, the early church. This gave them incredible confidence. God is in control, sovereign over all. And this gave them boldness to live out their faith and not be afraid. Here's what I want you to hear tonight. If God is in control of all that's going on in our world today, if God is in control of the things that are happening in all the countries right now, then we can rest assured and be at peace and trust that he's got what's coming as well. Some of you are filled with fear because you don't know what the future holds. You don't know what the next month is gonna, what's gonna happen. You don't know what next week's gonna bring. But I, ha but I want you to understand something. God does. God knows exactly where you are and he knows he's got everything in his hands. You see, that reality is true today that God is in control. He, that we serve a God that is in control of the world. You see, kings may plot and they may plan and we're hearing all kinds of things on, on the internet right now. We're hearing all kinds of things about the world and world leaders and what they're doing and what's happening in other countries and, and, the, and, and what's causing all of this. But I want you to understand something. Kings may plot and they may plan, but ultimately they are doing what God's hand has ordained them to do. We need to remember that. Now, we see the world trying to shut these men down from speaking the name of Jesus in this text. We see these religious leaders trying to shut them up and, and shut, the, shut down the name of Jesus. Satan's whole purpose is to stop the advance of the, king, uh, of the gospel. Yet it doesn't work. However, the enemy never gives up, does he? He simply changes his strategy. And we know that Satan's been on the same strategy for many years. What has happened in, in the many years ago is what he does today. His first approach was to attack the church from the outside, to, to try to get, the, get them to shut up. And the world would come in or the enemy would try to attack from the outside. But, but what happens here is when they, when they get arrested and they're threatened, it doesn't, it doesn't stop them. It emboldens them to do it even more. We're going to see in chapter five that the enemy changes his strategy. Satan decides to attack the church from within, 
inside the church. And he's going to use the people in the church to try to break apart the fellowship of the church. Yet, God doesn't allow it to happen. Let me say this. I don't know what's happening in your home. I don't know what strife you've had to walk through this week. I don't know what's going on with your kids and your spouse, other loved ones that you know of that maybe you were talking on the phone. You, you have more time now. You've spent more time as a family than ever before, and now it could cause some friction inside the home. Let me say this. That is God. That is, that is not um, God's hope and plan for you is that you would give in to the sin and, and, the, and the friction that happens in your home, but that you would fight and that you would, you would pursue the Lord and allow holiness and godliness to rise up inside you. And that you, you men out there would begin to lead your family for the very first time instead of coward backwards. Ladies, that you would begin to come underneath your husband's authority and allow him to lead in such a way that would honor the Lord. Children, if you're listening, that you would obey your parents and that you would come and you would, you would be that, that, that incredible child that would be obedient to, to your father and mother. It's a good challenge for us. You see, Satan wants to divide. He wants to divide. He wants to destroy, and he will do it any way he can. Now let's jump to chapter 5 of, of Acts chapter, uh, jump to cha- uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with, his, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and and, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Here comes the attack from within the church. Let me say this. The enemy is always trying to distract and trying to divide the body. He's doing it right now through this pandemic. He likes to do it by getting you distracted from what your purpose is in in this life. He he wants to get you distracted uh, from from loving your wife or loving your husband well by, by training up your children the way they should go. All these things, he gets you distracted so that we will be on our devices all day now. I'm at my house and I'm thinking, what is going on? Everyone is on their device and everybody is not communicating. And yet, we think it's okay because we have online school and we have online this and online that and we've gotta all be online and we've gotta catch up to what's going on out there in, in, the, in, the, in the coronavirus world and what, what is going on and we have, and we're so distracted. And yet, the enemy is winning. 
Church, don't be distracted. But, but dig in to what God wants you to do. Men, dig in and lead your families right now. The enemy wants you to be distracted. He wants to divide. Wants to divide. Fighting against each other will cause the enemy to win. But we need to remember we serve a God that is in control of this world. This guy Ananias and his wife Sapphira decided to, to deceive the, the church leadership by presenting the money as though it was all that they had received for the, the sale of their land. If Satan can use you and I to divide the church, he will. If Satan can use you to compromise God's standards, he will. And then the witness of the church becomes tarnished and tainted. Look at verse three. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, it was, it, it, while it remained, was it not your, your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have, not, you have not lied to man, but to God. My next point tonight is they fell into radical deception. Radical deception. We can easily fall into deception. Lying to ourselves, believing that we're more holy than we, we, we really are. There was nothing wrong with the fact that they kept back part of the money from the selling of their land. The property had, had been theirs and they had the right to do with it whatever they wanted to with the money that came from the, the sale of it. The problem was that they decided to lie and, and deceive the church into believing that they gave all the money for the price of the land. They lied. Radical deception. Well, first of all, God hates lying. Proverbs 12, says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Proverbs 13, five says, a righteous man hates lying. A man named George MacDonald once said, half of the misery in the world comes from trying to look instead of trying to be what one is not. You see, hypocrisy is deliberate deception. That's what was happening here. Hypocrisy, trying to make people think we are more spiritual than we really are. Hypocrisy means wearing a mask, putting on a mask, or acting a part. Is that you tonight? Are you acting a part? Are you acting as though you are godly when you really aren't deep inside? This is what was at the core of the hearts of Ananias and Sapphira. 
Look at what happens in verses five through 11, to God's judgment. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me what you tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who had buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And, and then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her, her dead and carried her out and buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. God deals with their sin radically. Church, we must learn this lesson tonight. Hypocrisy kills Hypocrisy kills. The sin of Ananias and Sapphira was putting, putting on this lovely front of giving in order to conceal the sin of hypocrisy in their hearts. Oh, they wanted to look so nice, so good. Hypocrisy cost them their lives. Church, God means business He doesn't want his church to be broken, broken up or divided in any way, and he's not going to allow hypocrisy to be the mainstay inside the church. Peter is, Peter is used by God to ask, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? Why are you allowing the enemy, the world, to come in and deceive you? Maybe that's happening in your life right now. Maybe you've spent so much time at home that you've allowed the world to creep in and start to, to distract you. Maybe you're giving in to sin that you're not supposed to be giving into. You've been alone so long that you're doing things you shouldn't be doing alone. Why put why do you put the spirit of the Lord to the test? You see, God the Father loves his church. So much so that he paid a high price for it. And that price was his son's blood. He wasn't about to let hypocrisy be the norm in the church at this point. Could you imagine if that were to happen in our church? That God would deal seriously with hypocrisy in the church at large? So much so that we started to see people die? That would weed out the men from the boys, wouldn't it? Revelation 3, verse 15 and 16 says this, I know your works, 
that you are neither hot, neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold nor cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Hypocrisy. Lukewarmness. God hates hypocrisy. He said, I'd rather you be hot than cold. Hot or cold. Just don't be lukewarm. Pick one or the other. Let's continue in verse 12 through 16. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multiply multiples, both multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on their beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passed by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all, and they were all healed." We see in this section the manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit is moving through his, his uh, apostles, those disciples that are the, the early church, and, and they begin to do some miraculous things. Healings are happening. Uh, uh, unclean spirits are being cast out. Miracles are being performed, all in the name of Jesus. Revival begins to break out in Jerusalem. God continues to add to his church, multiplying his church. Multitudes of men and women are added to the fold. Do you know that's God's heart? God's heart is that everyone Every tribe, every nation, every people, every language from all over the world would be able to worship him around the throne of God. That's what it speaks of in Revelation chapter 7 and 8. The power of the Holy Spirit was evident in the early church. It was remarkable what God was doing. God desires to do the same today. Advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. The early church was living out their God-given purpose and nothing was going to stop them. Now these next verses, verse 17 to the end of the chapter, bring much drama to the surface. Drama over truth. Why is truth so offensive? Because truth cuts to the heart, doesn't it? Truth cuts right to the heart. Truth exposes. Truth provokes a response. And in this section, we're going to see truth under attack. 
We just read the signs and wonders that followed the preaching of the gospel right here in these verses. No one could deny that God was at work in in a new way among these people. But not everyone was excited about this new move of God. The religious leaders didn't want anything to change. They were just fine in their old system of religion. They didn't want anybody tampering with that. Yet they, they wanted these, these, these followers of Jesus to go away and they wanted their old system back. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 20? He says, remember the word that I say, said to you. A slave is no greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. This is now the beginning of the reality of the early church, persecution. Church, persecution may be coming our way. I don't know what's gonna come from this. Uh, People are saying, we will always remember this. It will be like 9-11. It will be like the moment where it'll be what was before the pandemic and then after the pandemic. I don't know what's coming, but I know this. We do know that persecution is coming. It tells, the word of God tells us that. Now we may get raptured out of here before some of that great persecution comes, but it will come and you need to be ready. Look at verse 17 through 21. Then the high priest uh, rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them into the common prison. But at night... (laughs) An angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they, they entered the temple, uh, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders uh, of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. This is the reality of the conflict between the, the living truth of God and dead, tra- dead tradition today. God is bringing forth his living truth the living word of God, and these religious leaders are holding on to dead traditions. Jesus said to us in Matthew 9, 17, he said, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spoiled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. God is desiring to do a new thing among his people. 
God wants to do a new thing. He's pouring out his Holy Spirit upon mankind to bring forth a new thing. His truth to come and to set people free. And yet now the religious, the religious leaders are saying, no, I, I don't want this. I don't want Jesus. You know, God wants to do a new thing among us. The Spirit of God wants to, to move in a new and powerful ways. Don't limit him. But this doesn't come without a cost. It comes with persecution. What do we see in these verses? They're put in jail, right? Now, how many of you li would like to be put in jail for speaking the truth? Yeah, not a fun place to be. Yet these men were put in prison for, for preaching the truth, preaching the gospel. Yet here's what I want you to, to remember. When God is on your side, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about because when God is on our side, we're unstoppable. When we're in God's purpose and we're in God's, when we're aligned with his purpose, when our purpose is aligned with his purpose, we're unstoppable. God breaks them out of jail, right? And when he does, he doesn't tell them to run and hide. What does he tell them to do? He says, I want you to go back to where they saw you. I want you to go right back into the temple. I want you to go to Solomon's porch and I want you to preach the gospel and I want you to tell him all the good, good things. By the way, when God gives us an open door, we need to walk through it. Revelation 3, 8 says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Obviously, the Lord opened that door. Obviously, God made a way for them to get out. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know. I wish I could have seen it. But, but this was a way, a, a, a God's way of getting them out. Look at verse 21. Again, verse 21 says, And when they had heard that, they, were, they had entered the temple early in the morning and taught. Now I want you to hear something that I think is really important and that is these disciples not only heard, were broken out of jail but Jesus tells them to go back to where they were at and they did it. That's radical obedience, church. We need radical obedience in the church today. When we hear the word of God, when we hear the truth of God and it cuts to our heart, we need to obey what it says. And these guys, they, were, they, they had to have been afraid. They're, I mean, these, these men want to kill them. The religious leaders want to kill them. There had to be some anxiety, a bit of fear there, at least a little bit, but they were obedient. 
They respond to what, to, to what Jesus said and they, 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 they walked it out. Obedience takes discipline. Now, I don't always like discipline. I don't always, I, I'm, I'm starting to train for a marathon that I've never, I've never run a marathon in my life and yet I'm starting to train for this marathon and guys, it's hard work. And, and I haven't got up over four miles yet, but, but I'm beginning. And I, I'm pushing myself, and it takes discipline to move for, further each and every week to start to run farther and farther. And, and, and this is what we see in the disciples at this time. Their allegiance to Jesus was greater than the threat in their life. Their allegiance to God, knowing that he is sovereign and that he is in control and that he's got all things in his hands, they trusted that over the threats of man. Let's continue on. Look at verse 22 through 25. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, that he returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. <laughs> now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they, were, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Now, this must have made them really angry. Look what happens in verse 26. And the, and the captain went with the officers and brought them, brought them, uh, brought them without violence for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them and said, saying, did, you not, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And, and look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and indeed... To, and, and, and indeed, indeed, to bring this man's blood upon us. So these men, they're, they're upset. Religious leaders, they, they go to the prison, they're not there, they're, they're upset, they're wondering, how did this happen? Someone comes and says, hey guys, the, peop, the guys that, are, you're in, that were in the prison, they're, they're not in the prison anymore, they're standing in the temple teaching again. The very thing that they didn't want them to do, the very thing that they tried to stop them to do, they were doing unstoppable. They arrested them again and strictly warned them that they cannot teach and preach in the name of Jesus. You need to stop this. But look at Peter's response in verse 29. I love this. 
But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. We're not going to obey you. We're going to obey God. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on the tree. Him, God, has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior of this world, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things, so that, uh, and, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to, uh, to those who obey him. I hope you're encouraged tonight by this. Here's the truth as he spoke the truth to them. There is one way to, G- one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. One way to the Father. Jesus made a way by going to the cross that God ordained and died on that cross for us. And he's alive today. He rose again. And he's alive today. And what we've just read is this. And through the repentance of sin, through repentance of sin, through turning away, through, through saying, I, I don't want this in my life anymore. I know it's wrong and, 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 I, and I reject it. I reject the pornography in my life. I reject the, the drugs in my life. I reject the, the jealousy in my life and all the envy and the strife and the adultery and all these things that, that exist as sin today, lying and hypocrisy as we've read tonight. Jesus says if you repent, if you turn away from your sin and you turn to me, that that sin would be blotted out, it would be washed away, it will be erased. And that truth of salvation would come into your life and save you. All you gotta do is turn from your sin, ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, surrender your life to him, and he'll come in. And he forgives you of all those mistakes, all those wrongdoings that you've made and he forgives you, and it's gone. That's the, that's the gospel, guys. That's the gospel that, that, that we're trying to advance forward. That Jesus died and rose again, and he lives today, and that he wants to set you free. Peter and the apostles, they spoke the truth to these men. We must obey God and not man. We're witnesses 
of these things. We, we've seen and we've heard and we, we walked with Jesus and we saw him re- rise again. He has risen and he's alive today and he's given us the Holy Spirit which we are testifying of and that's what they speak of in these verses. Look at verse 33. And when they heard this, They were furious, and they plotted to kill them. Again, truth cuts, doesn't it? You see, they had just spoken the truth to them, and they couldn't take it. And they were furious, and they plotted to kill them. And the truth cut to their heart, so much so that they wanted to kill them. The enemy hates when the light of Christ is shined right into the dark territories that he owns. The enemy hates that. The enemy hates when we shine the light of Christ into the darkness. In verse 34 to the end of the chapter, we see this man, Gamaliel, a well-respected man among the council, speak wisdom to the council. Look at what he says in verse 34. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thedius rose up claiming to be somebody a number of men, about 400, joined, joined him, and he was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished. All who obeyed him were dispersed." And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this, if this plan or this work is of man, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Radical wisdom from this man, Gamaliel. Certainly highly thought of of the, the religious leaders. He was used to turn the whole council and they began to f- believe or, or give consideration to the wisdom that he was giving. Let's look uh, at the last verses of this chapter. And they agreed, verse 40, and they agreed with him. And when they had called for the uh, apostles and beat them, they commanded them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. 
and daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Radical suffering. Radical suffering. You see, when it says that they were beaten, it's also translated flogging, the same flogging that Jesus went through as he went to the cross, as he was whipped and as he was beaten. These apostles would have been beaten and would have been flogged for the name of Jesus Christ as they live out the gospel, as they live out their faith for Jesus. Their backs maybe ripped open a little bit, maybe bleeding, no doubt. Their bodies full of pain. But what does it say that they continued to do? They rejoiced. Rejoicing that God allowed them to walk through some of the suffering that, that God's son did as well. The apostles were released and they began to rejoice. And it didn't stop them. Unstoppable in the hands of God. Radical suffering reminds me of Hebrews chapter 11. The hall of faith where we see that some lives were taken. Some were burned at the stake. Some were speared. Some were cut in half, sawed in two, it says. All for his purpose. All for the purpose of Jesus. As we close tonight, are you willing to suffer for his name? We've talked about some radical things tonight. You see, as we, as we step into the purpose, our purpose for Christ, our purpose on this earth as Christians, as we align our purpose with God's purpose, guys, we're unstoppable. Church, we're unstoppable. God is with us in the midst of all of that. But it takes radical trust trusting in the Lord as we, as we remember that he's sovereign, that he's in control, that he's got everything in his hands. We need to be ready for the radical deception that may come into our life that might try to distract us and might try to get us off track. It takes radical obedience to, to follow that out and to live that out through discipline in our lives. God wants radical obedience when he calls us to do something that we go do it. And guys, it may, it may cost us radical suffering. Church, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what is in store for the church at large in the years ahead. But I do know that suffering and persecution 
are things that we are going to face. And let me encourage you to hold on to Jesus, to trust him, to obey him, and whatever comes, he's going to help you walk through. He's got you. He loves you. He loves his body. He loves his church. So with that, be encouraged tonight. Be encouraged to live this out. Be encouraged to to be emboldened to, to live out the gospel. To speak the gospel, to to have that gospel passion in your heart, in your life. Let that be your anthem as we close out tonight. With that, let's, be, let's pray and ask the Lord to, to close our time together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do know that when we're in your will and we're aligned with your purpose, that nothing can stop us, Lord. And so, Lord, that's where we want to be. Lord, uh, the church at large, those that are out there in, in their homes, in their living rooms, in their cars, wherever they're at, Lord, I pray, Lord, that that would be their, their desire. Lord, as, as we live out our purpose for you, Lord, there's nothing that can stop us accomplishing your purpose. Lord, give us great trust in you. Give us great faith in you. Thank you, Lord, for being sovereign. Thank you for being in control of all things, Lord, that you're in control of the world right now. And we don't need to fear. Lord, give us great desire for great obedience that we may live out your truth to the world, that we may be your witnesses wherever we go. Lord, for those right now that are sitting out there, and Lord, you're convicting their hearts. Lord, I pray that they would repent from their sin that they would turn to the living God and that, that you would find them, that your word tells us that you would leave the 99 to find the one lost sheep. And Lord, if that's them tonight, I pray that they would know that they are found in you. Lord, would you find them? Would, would, you, would you come to them right now and would you visit them in this time? Jesus, you're so good. You're a good shepherd. Lord, feed us. Take care of us. Protect us, Lord. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.